Holy shit, hobbits and elves, and let's not forget dwarves. Eric here with episode 7 of Vanboy with an Opinion for April 3rd. Today is a packed episode with reviews. First, I talk about Titan Season 1 on the DC Universe app. The second part of my overlook into the DC slash CW shows with Black Lightning. And the titles I can't wait to read this week. A warning that uh, spoilers are imminent. So first with Titans, uh, when I watched the first episode of Titans, I wrote down some notes with the intention of comparing them to how I felt after I finished the season. And a little explanation of Titans. It's about um, Robin. In the comics, he starts Teen Titans, but, you know, they're called the Titans. And uh, he kind of wanted to break away. He, he runs, breaks away from Batman. And so he's got his own life as a, a cop in Detroit. And he kind of falls into this this girl. Her name is uh, Sarah? I don't know. In the comics, her name is Raven. So I'm just going to call her Raven. So Raven is... Her, her adopted mother just got killed. And she's part of this cult. And kind of falls into Robin's lap. But she's kind of looking for him. And then he hooks up with this woman named Corey, and they're protecting Raven from these people who want her to reunite with her father. And there's a lot of, you know, that you don't really know what's going on, and a lot of shenanigans happen. And then they meet Gar, and Gar is uh, a shapeshifter. He can shape into a tiger, although in the comics he could, he could really turn into any animal. But for whatever reason, he just sticks with a tiger. Alright, so these are the notes for the first impression of Titans. Some of these notes are just episode one. I'll clarify when they're more than just about episode one. So the tone of the show, with the violence, feels graphic for the sake of being graphic. Robin's approach to crime might be a way for him to defy Batman's teachings, a way of acting out. But even uh, as the show goes on, there's other characters named Hawk and Dove, who he knew when he was with Batman. Hawk and Dove look at him odd for being ultra-violent. They also seem to take things too far. Point is, you could still show how violent Robin has become without having to show him stab a man in the dick. That happens. I still, I still believe in that, that note, that observation. Uh, the show is extremely violent at times, and I feel like it's just to be violent. He stabs a man in the dick and you see it. And I don't know if that's really, if that's really uh, necessary. I love violence. Violence is great, but it should be done in a way where it helps progress the story. Uh, and you know, you could still do violence without having to be show every graphic detail. And the second note I wrote is: if Robin wanted to get out of a Batman shadow, why not change his persona? Why still be Robin? He could have become Nightwing halfway through the season. I still stand by the second part of that that note. But I kind of, after the show progressed, I understood why he still wore the Robin suit. Technically, he didn't really wear it a lot. Uh, at least that's what the show alludes to. That he There's a scene in the first episode where he just beats up a bunch of guys. And he comes down and, and they all expect to see Batman. But, you know, he's there alone, so... That makes him angry that they expect Batman. So he really beats the shit out of him. And then at the end of it, he's like, 
fuck Batman, which is like point is so stupid. But still, at the same time, I understand why he was angry because they expected Batman. But with that said, why not just change your costume and change your name? But again, the argument is is that that's all he knew. He doesn't can't find he can't find his own personality and can't find his own name, which I get it. So, but again, he could have progressed halfway through the season and then chose a name. But whatever, it's not really that important. The next note was, speaking of Robin, I don't care for the actor who plays him. Seems too scrawny and too young, especially to be a cop. And I, I still believe that. I don't care for the actor who plays Robin. He just seems a little, I don't know, he's just not what I would assume Robin or Dick Grayson is his, his real name. Because Dick Grayson is like a, a pretty stand-up guy, and this guy's just too brooding and too, like, full of emotion and just like, oh, I hate Batman, I'm tough and rough, and it just, I don't know, it's just that actor doesn't seem to fit that role. I understand they're trying to do something different with Robin, that's fine, but it just, he just doesn't, and he's supposed to be a, a, not only a cop, he's supposed to be a detective. That kid looks young to be a detective. Whatever. Okay, the next note was, Corey's amnesia, or whatever it is, uh, is so cliche it's a plot device that has been done to death. Again, I, I stand by this statement. Corey uh, helps, works with, with Robin to save Raven, help Raven. Corey wakes up in a car crash, and she's being followed by a bunch of guys who are trying to shoot her. She realizes she has powers. She has no idea who she is. And it was so fucking dumb. The entire fucking season. It's like, who's Corey? Well, I don't know. Oh, she has a secret base. And she has all these clues. And she still doesn't know who the fuck she is. It lasted the entire fucking season. By the way, the season was 13 episodes. I'm lying. It wasn't 13 episodes. It was 11 episodes. Uh, and it's just all throughout most of the episodes... It was just like, who's Corey? I don't know who Corey is. She doesn't know who she is. It was fucking obnoxious because it was just like, it was a way to use her amnesia as a plot device and a twist towards the end of the season. And that's fucking like, they, they're doing that, they do that a lot in the show. It's just like they're, they're, they have these clues to something and then they're not going to reveal it until towards the end of the season and then it becomes a plot device or it becomes part of the plot and it's like helps the It's just dumb. It's been done so many times. You could have done it differently. You didn't have to last the whole season. It just was like, uh, so cliche. The next comment I wrote was tying in with the -the over-the-top violence and adding with all the changes they made from the source material has an overall overall feel that the show was not made for the older fanboys, but more for the kind of audience that only have an idea who these characters are from cartoons or other properties than not the comics. This isn't your father's titans. Now again, I stand by that statement. Because of the violence and because of how drastically they changed these characters, I feel like this wasn't for, isn't for, 
the fanboys who grew up with these characters, who read Teen Titans. I mean, it's like, you have Netflix. Netflix gets the, pro- the Marvel properties. They do these, these shows. People who are fans of the Marvel properties are going to watch the show. But then also people who have Netflix, who may not know the Marvel properties, will also give it a chance. And then they'll like it. The problem with Titans is it's on a DC app. So it's on an app that only, for the most part, DC fans are going to buy. You're not going to get a lot of people who are non-completely non-comic book fans or DC fans who are going to get this app. So I think that's the problem is you're selling a show to people who don't know these characters. But those people are not going to get the app because most of the people who are going to get this app have an idea of who these people are. And then... On the other hand, the people who have an idea of who these characters are don't really know the comic book dynamic that these characters had. So with them, you have a chance to be like, well, you don't know who these characters are. Here they are, they're grumpy, and they're, you know, they're bitter, and they're angry, and they're all violent. I don't know, I just, I just feel like, it feels like this isn't for me. Or wasn't tailored to me. I have no problem with changing characters. At all. MCU has done it just perf- oh, just about perfectly. I mean, when it comes to changing characters from the source of material to movies. I mean, MCU gets like an A. You know, they would get an A+. But there are a few things that they've changed that I haven't really cared for. But it's been very minimal. Very. Um... Young Justice was just a cartoon that I reviewed, a cartoon I love, and a cartoon I'm going to mention again in a few minutes. Changes, very minimal, they get like an A. You didn't need to change the source material that much. Look at the Marvel, Netflix movies, they barely change anything too. And they do pretty well. I just felt like they made these changes for a reason, and that reason was they wanted a newer audience. There's an episode when Corey is trying to figure out why she wants to protect Raven and all this stuff. And she goes to the murder site. I said Raven's mother was shot. She goes to the police. Uh, She goes to the place where her mother was shot. And these cops, you know, come. Instead of trying to hide and instead of trying to escape... She beats the shit out of them. And she beats the shit out of them hard. There's like no fucking reason why she... It made no sense to me why she beat them up so bad. But then, the consequences of those beatings came back to bite her in the ass. And again, this is what they do. They set something up that makes no sense at that time. But then later on, there's consequences to that. And it's fucking stupid. Like, it's a stupid setup for... Like, I'm not even talking about the next episode. I'm talking about, like, six episodes into it. And it seems like this is, they're doing this a lot. In episode six, Robin meets the new Robin. His name is Jason Todd. And Jason Todd first comes off as like, Oh, Batman sent me to help you. And, and the two of them have two different 
uh, views of Batman and Batman's Crusade, and that was interesting because there's like this new kid who's like got stars in his eyes, and and he's a little bit more naive when it comes to Batman and what Batman wants to do, you know, with Gotham and and crime in general. But then in the episode, Jason Todd's just starts beating the shit out of cops. And then it's supposed to show how A, he's got a big chip on his shoulder for cops, and B, he's just fucked in the head. And, you know, this is like, oh, does Batman know you do that? And it's like, I don't see Batman around here. Because it, it goes into the it also goes into the fact that in episode six, how Robin, how Dick Grayson feels about Batman. And the movie Excuse me, this TV show treats Batman uh, like he's a control freak who psychologically abuses kids. Now, I really, really do like that idea that Batman is abusive and what it would be like if he really trained a kid into being a a vigilante and how that affects that kid when he becomes an adult, psychologically. I really did like that idea. Um, but then at the same time, they name drop Superman. They name drop the Justice League. So you're basically supposed to assume that he is in the DC Universe with all these other characters, yet he's a fucking psycho who fucking abuses children, basically. And so how does that work into the rest of the DC Universe? So, I don't know. But I do like the idea that this is, like, a more realistic take of, like, he basically stole Dick Grayson's childhood. You know, Dick Grayson's parents died, he took him in, but then it was just, like, training, 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 and no emotional love or anything like that. And so, you know, he, he fucked Dick up. And then when Dick leaves, he's this violent asshole. Because this is all he's known. So it makes sense. And now you got Jason Todd who's like, who likes the violence, which makes it even worse. Um, there's a lot of beating up cops too. Lots of times they come up to law enforcement and they're just beating them up and it's just like, seems over the top. It's one thing to knock a guy out, but then they're like, kick him while he's down. And in, in episode 8, and you know, I'm jumping around, but in episode 8, Corey is with Raven, and they're on a train, and she's getting paranoid that she thinks that somebody's looking at her, and that he might be following them, or, or you know, something to do with that. And it seems like she's wrong, but of course she's right, and it has to do with the fact that she beat up those cops, episodes ago uh, if you didn't want to get caught for past indiscretions maybe you should at least change your clothes Corey wears the same goddamn clothes every fucking episode and then you beat up these goddamn cops and it's established already that they're looking for you and now you're in a train and you look exactly the way you look when you beat those cops up and now you're paranoid huh Maybe you should change your clothes if you're paranoid. This is a, and this is what I mean. The co- beating up the cops is stupid. 
and it came to bite her in the ass. Just just to create a little jo- uh, drama in the show. In episode 8. Then episode 9 is a standalone uh, episode with Hawk and Dove. So we meet Hawk and Dove in like episode 2, early on in the season. And they have history with Dick. That's kind of funny, history with Dick. Because everyone has history with Dick. They have history with uh, the first Robin. And in this standalone uh, episode, it's the after effects of what happens when Robin and Raven get into Hawk and Dove's lives. I don't mind standalone stories. And Hawk and Dove were not terrible characters. However... We haven't seen them since, like, episode 2. And this is already episode 9. What the fuck was the point of giving them an entire episode? And it was just like... There was no point to it. Now, in the, in the episode, they're having flashbacks. So they're thinking about their past together. And Raven keeps appearing in the memories, trying to get their attention. And so in, in episode, at the end of episode 8, it's established that Raven's in trouble. So then she starts wandering into their memories to try to get their help. Okay. So you see the history of Hawk and Dove. And then at the end of it, it's abrupted because Dove finally recognizes that Raven's trying to contact her through her memories. And it's over, so you don't even see... How Hawk and Dove really hooked up. Because it's like up to that point, And then she just breaks out of the, the spell. And then. At the end of that episode. They're like we have to help Raven. Okay cool. They're never in the show after that. And then. In the next episode. Raven being in trouble. Gets resolved. So there's no follow up. To Hawk and Dove trying to help Raven. And there's no point to it. Because at that moment, at that moment, the problem was resolved. It just felt like the Hawk and Dove was just a fill-in. You could have done that fill-in episodes ago. You could have done that fill-in an episode or two after we were introduced to Hawk and Dove. Not episode nine. It just seemed out of nowhere misplaced and wasn't needed. So then we come to the last episode. Episode 11. I'm... Thinking throughout the entire episode. See now the whole point of this season. Was that Raven was supposed to. People were coming after her. A a secret clandestine group. And they wanted her to reconnect with her father. No one knows why. Uh, Episode 10. It all comes to a head. And she reunites with her father. And then you realize that. You know, you find out at that point that he's basically going to bring hell on Earth or destroy the Earth or buttfuck the Earth. Something with destroying planets. So, at the end of episode 10, you're like, okay, everything's coming to a head. He's here. Shit's going to go down. Episode 11, the final episode comes. And it's all about Robin, Dick, being in this in the future and 
having a a perfect life with a a woman he's married, dove, a kid, and all these great things happen to everybody. But now he has to go back to Gotham because Batman is on the verge of murdering the Joker and he has to stop Batman because that's a line you don't cross. It's okay to stab a guy in the dick, but don't fucking kill anybody and he's going to stop Batman from making the worst decision of his life other than dressing up as a giant bat and beating the shit out of people. Jason Todd is in a wheelchair because he's a dumbass and oh, he's got to stop it at oh, Commissioner Gordon's dead because he's a dumbass and I got to go to Gotham and stop this motherfucker from killing people. That's the whole fucking episode. The whole last episode is that. And the entire time I'm watching this, I kept thinking, is there going to be a point to this? Is there going to be a point to this? Half into the episode, he's still in this fucking dream world. Is there going to be a point to this? Is there going to be a point? And I wrote this down, and I was like, I, th- I said, is there going to be a point to this whole episode? And at the end of it, at the end of the episode, I was done with the show, I wrote, no. Mostly no. It is so fucking... The season ends without a conclusion to the entire storyline that ran all 11 episodes. Now... For argument's sake, they only had 11 episodes. So, one can say that they didn't have enough time to conclude the, 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 the storyline. Or, maybe this was a test run, people really liked it, they're going to want to know what's going to happen because they didn't end the storyline. They, they've been building up for 11 fucking episodes. Okay, granted... However, the problem with the first theory is that they didn't have enough time. They didn't have to show all the goddamn fill-in shit that they did in the season. Like the episode that's just all Hawk and Dove. They didn't need that. If you want to give them an origin story, do it in season two. Conclude that goddamn storyline that you've built for 11 episodes first. So, they had a lot of fat that they could have trimmed... And that they then could have concluded the storyline. Now, as for the second theory, that's also possible. They just wanted to hook people in, and then they're hooked, and then they'll watch the second episode. But still, not concluding, not concluding this storyline, to me, felt like a goddamn cheat. Another thing was, speaking of this episode... Robin Dick has to go to Gotham to convince Batman not to kill. You don't see Batman. You don't hear Batman. You see a goddamn silhouette shadow of Batman. And it's like, they treat Batman like he's sacred. That he can't be cast in anything that doesn't have his name in the title. Same thing with Superman. When they brought Superman onto Supergirl... I was shocked because the first season of Supergirl, you don't see him. He's only referred to. Again, you see like a shadow. And then they casted him. And I was like, I'm shocked that they're casting Superman in a a show that's not about him or doesn't have his name on the title. When Smallville, that terrible piece of crap of a show, when Smallville was out, 
There's all these rumors. Every season, there was a rumor that Bruce Wayne was going to be on the show. Bruce Wayne was going to be on the show. He wasn't on the show because he's too goddamn sacred. Because only major actors can play Superman, uh, Batman, or Superman. And that's why he's not on... You could have just casted some schmuck in a fucking suit and just have him as Batman for one goddamn episode or two episodes. It was really frustrating. That's one thing that you reference him if he's... If he's only referenced by name, because he's not going to be the show, you go to goddamn Gotham and you talk to a shadow like an asshole, and it can't be somebody for two fucking seconds, even a goddamn stuntman, even if it was a fucking stuntman in a goddamn Batman suit staring into space like an asshole, that would have been fine. I also think it might be licensing issues, which is possible, fine, fine. But if it's not, you treat them like sacred... Nobody gives a damn. You voice them in cartoons all the fucking time with dipshits. Why can't you just put a dipshit in a costume for two seconds? It's not that big of a deal. We're not going to rank them with Christian Bale and Michael Keaton. Who gives a shit? You're talking about the motherfucker. Show him. So... I really have, I mean, I'm overstating the obvious more than once here. I loved and hate the show. Uh, I did like, again, some of the ideas and also like Gar. I said Gar turns into a tiger. And he says a bunch of times, he's an innocent kid. He says a bunch of times that he's never hurt anybody as a tiger. And then he does and it kind of fucks him up. There's one episode where they all get go to this like, a sane asylum and it fucks every single one of them up and I feel like with Gar it fucks him up it has lasting effects on him which makes sense but I just feel like Robin Dick he doesn't and I just feel like they, you know they don't get tortured and all this shit but I do like some of the storylines I do like the realistic interpretation of Batman and also with Hawk and Dove being vigilantes, how Hawk is physically fucked because of all the outings that he has, and they just want one big score, because they steal money from fucking criminals. Um, I just, but again, I just feel like this is a melodrama slash action with an emphasis on drama. This, to me, feels too much of a Netflix Marvel clone. You know, the ultra-violence is not needed. I understand there's dark themes, but you could do the dark themes without the super ultra-violence. I mean, you know, case in point, there's the scene in Daredevil Season 1 where he's fighting in a hallway, and it's just one of the best fucking fight scenes. Or even the fucking scene in Season 2 where Punisher's beating the shit out, like, murdering the fucking prisoners. There's violence in that, but the violence fits. And... It's not overly gratuitous. And even in the Daredevil scene, what's great about that scene is he's so fucking tired when he fights those guys. That's like a realistic view of a fight, of just like punching a guy to the ground and him getting back up, and it's like, fuck. Punching him back down, him getting back up. I mean, that's one of the things that's great about that fight scene. And yes, the violence in Punisher is great, but it also fits. Whereas this, it's just like, I'm going to stab you in the dick. Like, what... I mean, that guy was an asshole, but did we really need to see that? Like, it just, a lot of the violence just didn't fit with the action. 
again, a good realistic interpretation of the fact uh, training a kid has when he becomes an adult. Some of the episodes seemed shoehorned in. I said that and not in the right order. Hated the, hated the last episode. No conclusion. Feel cheated. I also did like the fact that it was a shorter season. I hate these fucking uh, shows that are like 22. Like The Flash and Supergirl. Like 22 episodes is too goddamn long. If you have something to say. You know. If it, but you can really say a lot in uh, 10 episodes. And that was another thing. Is like, Why was this 11 episodes? Most shows... When they're shorter seasons like the Netflix shows are not, they're like 10 to 12, maybe even 13. Why 11? 11 just seem weird. All right. So again, stating the obvious over the obvious, I have issues with the show. I feel like it tries too hard to shed the corniness or the stigma that comes with reading comics, trying to branch out to other audiences that the Netflix shows did. That's where I feel the disconnect is coming from between the comics and the show. I understand we're trying to do something different, but it also seems like they could alienate the core fans, and maybe they don't care. I liked the overall story of the first season, but the execution with the end of it sucked. Still, I am going to stick with with it, and I'm curious what is planned for next season, because they're going to have Superboy and... Yada, yada, yada. If you want to see a dark story involving most of these same characters without straying too far away from their comic book counterparts, watch Young Justice. Okay, now we're going to get into Black, Black Lightning Season 2, which is a part of my CW slash DC series. This one's going to be a lot lighter than my review of uh, Titans, probably. So this is the second season. Uh, it's uh, it's about Jefferson Pierce, who's also Black Lightning. He was an uh, an Olympian, and you know, like a medal winning Olympian. He comes back to his hometown, Freeland, Freeland, and he becomes the principal of the high school. He eventually becomes the principal of the high school, and he's known in the first season, especially. He's known as Black Jesus. Because it's like he comes back and he tries to clean up Freeland in the way he can through education, through the kids. He had been black lightning for a while. Uh, he retired because he had a family. He was married with two little girls, young girls. And so in the first season, he comes out of retirement because the crime has just gotten way out of control in Freeland. Uh, because of the, uh, the 100, which is a gang run by Tobias Whale. I'll get into that later. In the first season, his oldest daughter, Anissa, starts to get powers. She embraces him. You know, he's reluctant in her becoming a vigilante, but then ends up being okay with it. And then later in the season, his youngest daughter, Jennifer, has powers, and she doesn't want them. She's freaked out by them, which I really liked because I thought that was like an realistic interpretation of what a kid would be like because not every kid's gonna want to just like beat the crap out of people or fly around like some kids are gonna want to have a normal life his ex-wife comes out of retirement i mean even though he stops being black lightning because of his wife they end up breaking up anyway she's a neurologist they still kind of stay together in first season because 
Because, you know, they want to stay with the kids and whatever. They're kind of like... They're back together, but not, like, officially. And then there's uh, Gamby, who's Black Lightning's father figure. This is the guy who helped him. Black Lightning's father died, uh, murdered by Tobias Whale, and Gamby kind of took him under his wing and raised him. So, um... Gamby is played by character actor James uh, Remar. And if you don't know who that is, he was in The Warriors. And he's been in a lot of of movies and a lot of TV shows. He was also in Dexter, which is very similar to the character he's playing now. Because he's a father figure and he's teaching just like this. Um... The only issue with Gamby, I like Gamby, I like James Remar, I like the character, is um, he's a bit of a Mary Sue. Now, if no one knows what a Mary Sue is, it's a term for a, for a character, usually female, who just knows how to do everything. Like, it's not really explained why they know how to do everything. It's just, even if it's explained how they, they know, know how to do anything, it's just like, they're just too perfect in everything they do. Like, they can do anything. It's like, you know, they could, uh, screw in a light bulb and defuse a nuclear bomb and, you know, kill 20 guys in a room. Uh, there is a male version of the, uh, the term. I don't, but it's not like, it's like a Marty stew or something. Who cares? But yeah. So he's a bit of a Mary Sue in that he seems to know how to do everything. He builds the suits. He's like their... Uh, he does all, all the information. He hacks into computers. He, like, could kick ass. He could shoot a gun. He fakes his death in the, in the season. Like, he does everything. So it's almost like you don't know how to fill in something. Oh, Jamie could do it. Like, oh, none of us know how to hack into the, you know, U.S. government. Oh, again, we can do it. So, <clears throat> the villain is Tobias Whale. And Tobias Whale is very different than he is in the comics. Uh, but when he, when you see him, he can come off as a bit of a kingpin clone. But he's far different than that. But I'll get into that later. Uh, he's been around a long time. He's He's got super strength. He takes the serum that has helped him slow his age. It's like he was around when Black Lightning was a child. And Black Lightning is, you know, in his, close to his 40s now. So, um, so, like I said, he's a, the leader of this gang, the 100. It's also in the first season was introduced a drug called Greenlight. Now, seemingly inadvertently, green light caused the users to become metas. Metas are the term that DC uses for people who have superpowers. But then it turned out that it was actually the government that flooded green light into the neighborhood um, to try to see what... You know, they were using the black community as guinea pigs, essentially. And they first did it in the 70s, and then a lot of these kids were gaining powers, and the government the government group was called the uh, ASA. And they were watching these kids, and then they were 
kidnapping these kids and they put them in these pods and they basically put them in uh under ice and they were in this you know like medical induced coma kind of while they were trying to figure out what to do with them because the ASA wants to use them as weapons so they find out that green light was flooded into the black community by the government to try to make see what this this does and then when people were having powers they take them and so the government the drug has come back and so that was a big part of season one it's kind of died down but the kids who have been using it are still becoming metas and the ASA has taken you know starts to take some of them and then also this season focuses more on the pods themselves um there's a lot going on in this show in this season and I'll say this again later this isn't a large long season like Superman and Flash it didn't have because it ended it ended this is a full review for the second season and so it didn't have 22 episodes but a lot fucking happened um, the season starts off really, oh, so there was, um, so Black Lightning had a, a vice principal. She was a friend, confidant, blah, blah, blah. She turned out she was working for the ASA. I don't know if Black Lightning ever found that out. That was season one. Season two starts off with this awesome fight between her and Tobias's whale's bodyguard. And the two of them are fighting. And, um... It was a great fight scene. And the bodyguard dies. And so, like, Tobias Whale, who had lost his sister in the first season, now loses another important person in his life. So he really goes through a thing this season with loss. And and then there's a briefcase that has secrets. And he ends up getting uh, help cracking that open from this disgraced academic who he brides to help him. And then they find out the briefcase controls the pods and has info on another group of pods holding hardened criminals. So the kids were taking the drugs in the 70s. They had powers. The ASA scooped them up, put them in pods. But it turned out that they had done it prior to that to criminals. And then they scooped up those criminals and those criminals got powers. And then so Tobias Whale ends up planning on selling the pod people. Like I said, the vice principal, she ends up dying in the beginning of the season. And it's like, Black Panther never fucking finds out. It's like, she's just written off. Oh, she's not really that important. So, the show really is about Black Lightning and his family. And every single one of them has their own storyline, especially season two. And that's one of the reasons why I really love the show is because, you know, lots of times when you have these shows, especially superhero stories, shows, uh, the superhero is always surrounded by a team. Oh, Flash needs a team. Supergirl needs a team. And Arrow needs a team. Because they can't do anything on their own. And eventually that team becomes a family. So it's realistic in the sense that your friends are family and co-workers can be family and whatever, whatever. So they're family. That's great. But with Black Lightning, as far as my memory can go, it's one of the first shows where the hero is surrounded by his actual biological family. And they're all involved, and he's protecting them, and they protect him, and all this junk goes down. 
And I just felt like that is a realistic take on, you know, family. They have family dinners. They argue at the family dinners. Um, they're Like I said, the daughters, the oldest daughter wants to be a hero. That's a problem. The youngest daughter has these... She starts to develop these powers, and they're more focused on in the second season that these powers are uncontrollable and unpredictable. So they basically... Tell her to stop going to school. She stops going to school. She has no connection to her friends. She has no connection to anything. She's stuck in the house for days. And it drives her insane. And she starts to do things out of frustration and anger for making her stay in the house all the time. And that's realistic. That's real. Like, kids would feel that way. And that's terrible parenting. Because instead of dealing with the situation, they just leave her home because they got their own shit to deal with. Black Lightning, he's principal of the school because of things that he did in season one. The school board has decided to let him go as a principal and just make him into a teacher. So he has this whole storyline about uh, the guy who takes over his principal as principal is not really from Freeland and he's Freeland and he's not doesn't really care about the kids' well-being or their futures like Black Lightning did or does. And so there's like a big head-to-head with that. And it's a good storyline, but it just felt like it just fizzled out. Like he gets the he gets it back. Like you know, Black Lightning becomes principal again, but then he realizes that maybe this guy's not really that bad and that maybe uh maybe even with a little help he did care about the kids' well-being. And then it just fizzled out. Just like, ah, oh, we don't talk about it anymore. Lynn, uh, that's the wife. She starts working with the ASA to help monitor the pod kids. And there's a lot of drama in that because she really has the kids' well-being in heart. But at the same time, the ASA, who's being led by Bill Duke, and his name on the show is, uh, yeah, uh, Agent Odell. Agent Odell is head of the ASA. He wants to use these kids as weapons. And he's, Bill Duke is another character actor who's in Predator, a lot of movies. He's great because Agent Odell has a lot of secrets. And he plays it close to his chest. He almost never changes his facial expression. And he almost never raises his voice. There's a great uh, scene where he basically tells Lynn that these kids are like dogs. And you, he wants to train them to be weapons. And his voice never fucking gets raises. I don't think he ever raises throughout the entire speech. And it's such a great speech. And even Lynn's like, did you just compare them to dogs? Like, it's a great speech, and he's a great, basically, villain. And him and Lynn always get at odds. And also, he brings in another doctor who tries to help, who's a real piece of shit, because she doesn't give a shit about the kids in the pods. And so there's a lot of drama going on, and it's a pretty decent uh, storyline. And Lynn really is... You know, it's a great character, very strong female character. And speaking of strong female characters, you have the oldest daughter, Anissa, who becomes a superhero, Thunder. And 
in this episode and the season, she has two storylines. One of which is she basically becomes a Robin Hood, where she's stealing from the bad guys and giving it to the poor. And Black Lightning's not too happy about that. And she's got a girlfriend, she's gay, and she's got a girlfriend who seems to be a meta, but doesn't tell Anissa, and then just leaves, like, literally, like, I guess they were living together? And she just, Anissa comes in and half the apartment's empty. And so the rest of the, the second half of the season is Anissa's trying to find out where her girlfriend went and why she left, and it really raises an excellent question. Like, if you're in love with somebody and they leave... When do you let go? Because if they really loved you, they would want you to find them. And this character in particular obviously does not want Anissa to find her. And so, you know, it's all these questions of like, should she let it go? Should she stop? She really loves this person and she wants to tell her she loves her. But obviously, this person is going through shit that doesn't want you to be involved in. So is it worth it? And then she realizes it is worth it. And then she has this weird fight with this Asian guy who may be the girlfriend. Um, But I don't know because they dropped that storyline. It was getting to a point. And then all of a sudden everything else was too important. And Anissa had to be a part of that. And so now I guess we're going to have to wait till season three to deal with that. Oh, lovely. I love it when they stop storylines and don't conclude them in one season. And we have to wait nine months. I don't know, it's nine months. But we have to wait a long time. It's fucking obnoxious. And then, there's Jennifer, the youngest daughter. She's dealing with her powers. Realizes that her powers are emotional-based. You know, that she has to deal with her emotions to deal with her powers. And there's a whole thing. And she had a boyfriend. There's so much going on in this fucking show. She had a boyfriend in season one. Who got shot by Tobias Whale. Lost the, the use of his legs. Then Tobias Well comes to him and, and you know doesn't tell him he shot him, but says, Hey, I'll give you a I'll give you some powers. You can walk, a fucking robotic fucking spine. And so then the boyfriend becomes a villain for a short time, but in this season he repents and he says to Jen, I want to be good. And of course the parents don't approve, and so she runs away with him. There's a whole crazy storyline. And then it comes to the fucking pinnacle where Tobias beats the shit out of the kid and rips his goddamn spine out of his fucking back. And this is what I'm fucking talking about when it comes to the violence. Black Lightning is not a typically over-violent episode. But that was. And that was shocking because it was supposed to be shocking. Because it was supposed to be brutal. Because he fucked this kid up. It's supposed to show how badass and fucking evil Tobias Whale is. And that's why. Don't don't fucking, you know, just waste your load on the fucking violence every episode. You savor the moment. So when you're watching the show, you say, holy fucking shit. He just ripped his goddamn spine out. Like I said while watching the show. It reminded me of a show like Daredevil, where the violence is saved up. And it was a great fucking episode, and that was a great fucking scene, and it really cemented how brutal Tobias Whale was. And he was more than just a fucking kingpin clone. 
Anyway, Jennifer gets upset, obviously, and now and then the kid dies because of his injuries, and now she wants to kill Tobias Whale, which, like every superhero, is a line Black Lightning will not cross. He wanted to cross it in season one, and it doesn't matter. So then we come to Tobias Whale, who, in my opinion, is one of the goddamn best fucking villains of TV. This guy is played by a hip-hop artist. He's not a real actor. He's not a trained actor. Tobias Whale is an albino. So it's difficult, obviously, to find an albino actor. So they found this real albino hip-hop star. And they casted him. And this guy does a fucking amazing job. For somebody who doesn't have acting experience. Now, there isn't... Sometimes he gets a little hammy. But that's fine. Because he's... I'll give it to him. This is a hammy character. This is not a fucking Kingpin ripoff. And he is so much different than his comic book. His comic book uh, fucking counterpart is just a fat guy who's like an albino who looks like fucking Kingpin. But he doesn't act like it. He doesn't act like a fat guy who just doesn't do anything. Gets his hands dirty when he has to. He, his mind is going because his sister's dead and he keeps talking to his sister's painting and everyone thinks it's weird and his response is just like, what? He's such a cool, badass character that I really think he's like one of the best parts of the show. And when the season finale came, I wasn't really expecting anything because I didn't think Tobias Whale was going to get caught. I mean, he did this fucking brilliant thing in the season he murders a cop who's on his take and the cops find evidence that says that Tobias Whale killed him. And I'm like, why would Tobias Whale do this? Like, why would he leave evidence on purpose? It was all fucking planned. He wanted to get caught. He knew they weren't going to have evidence that would stick. And he wanted to show how the cops were idiots and he was on top and he was a legitimate businessman despite what the cops want you to think. And I was like, oh my God, this is fucking brilliant. This is such a great idea. And so he's fucking cool and badass and, I mean, spoiler alert, he does get caught, which I was surprised about because like I said, I didn't think the final season was really going to pan out. Yeah, not that it didn't pan out, but I didn't know what was going to be expected. Because I didn't know. But um, there was a twist, and the twist was great. <laughs> Came out of nowhere, but it was good. It was well done. And at the end, you know, the family, they're coming together, and they're eating, and they're teasing each other, and everything gets all wrapped up in a nice little bow, and Black Lightning starts to cry because he's so happy that he's just genuinely happy. And I'm thinking, this is great. Like, this is what this show's about. Family. And then Bill Duke comes, and he just shits on everyone's fucking table. He shits on everyone's dinner plate. And he's just like, oh, I know who you motherfuckers are. Because he's been watching him the whole fucking season. Like a stalker. And he's like, oh, something's coming. And this is build up for season three. And you motherfuckers can't have fun anymore because shit's coming. And so it's a big setup for season three. It's a good setup for season three. So yeah, that was the end. Um, I really think this is my favorite DCCW show. 
you know, it has elements of being a Daredevil clone, but has a good job of breaking out on its own. The show's core is the family, and I really think that's what, what brings people in. So, there's a lot going on in the show, obviously, but it's a very intricate, very layered show, where this is just, let's just throw a bunch of things in a blender and throw it up against the wall and see what sticks. There are some storylines that, like I said, that, that just fizzled. I wasn't happy about that, but compared to what other shows do, I was fine. Sometimes, you know, sometimes the threads will be introduced and not explored until episodes later, but it doesn't do that as much as other shows do that. Tobias Will is the best part. Uh, wasn't looking forward to much, and eh, was shocked with it. Eh. Good setup for next season. Overall, a solid show. Definitely the better of the DCCW shows. No, I don't watch Arrow or Legends of Tomorrow, but I can tell you they're, they're not good. Because I don't really know if saying this is the best show is saying that much. Black Lightning is a shorter season compared to Flash or Supergirl, and yet it seems to have more going on. The family aspect of the show brings a sense of realism into the story, as well as the friction within Freeland's community, Freeland's community, whether it's coming from the gangs and the drugs, the government, the ASA lying and using kids for their own agenda, or even the local and local uh, law enforcement not facing the consequences for their malicious actions. They're not all bad, but shit happens, and just like real life, there's no accountability. This is a Netflix show. Uh, this is similar to a Netflix show with the dark themes that reflect our dark times, but without the gratuitous violence that may be flooded in other shows that try so hard to be dark. <coughs> Titans. All right, that's my review or ramble. So these are the titles I can't wait to read coming out this week. Uh, the first one is Cosmic Ghost Rider Destroys a Marvel History. This is a whole thing. Uh, Cosmic uh, Ghost Rider was introduced in the Thanos, Thanos uh, comic book. It's, it's very long. I mean, I need to read it before I could read this Ghost Rider, uh, Cosmic Ghost Rider Destroys Marvel History. But I st- want to read this title... After I read the first introduction of Cosmic Ghost Rider. Very long explanation, but let's just say it's a Ghost Rider from an alternate timeline who's actually Frank Castle. Now, he's in another Marvel timeline where he's fucking the history up from the past. This is written by a comedian named Paul Shear. Stand-up, he's done shows, uh, podcasts, all that stuff. So, I think it's going to be funny. But again, I have to read Ghost, uh, Cosmic Ghost Rider's first appearance before I can read this. Walking Dead, number 190. When the dust settles, what will be left of the Commonwealth? And if a community as large and as organized as the Commonwealth can fail, what does this mean for the world? Dark times ahead. That's the explanation of the issue. I'm a little backed up with The Walking Dead, but I'm interested in seeing what's going to happen to this Commonwealth, which is basically a place they found that's like an actual living city, like a real city, but they have their problems. Now, the third title is not a suggestion to read, but more of a suggestion to stay away. There's a book called Major X, number one, by my dear friend Rob Liefeld. Now, if you remember, I went in a rant a few weeks ago about Rob Liefeld and how much he sucks as an artist and a writer, and this is 
he's writing this and drawing this, folks. The description of the issue, the title is a mysterious new player enters the Marvel Universe and the X-Men are in his crosshairs. What is his mission and how can the man known as Cable hope to stop him? I can answer that question. Who gives a flying shit? Writer-artist Rob Liefeld introduces a new wrinkle in the saga of Marvel's Mightiest Mutants. You can suck my dick. The mystery of Major X could... Uh, I don't care anymore. This sounds like shit. The art looks like shit. It's the same shit from Rob Liefeld. Everyone stands in one position. No hands, no fucking feet. This asshole, this fucking Major X, what a dumb fucking name. His color scheme is exactly like Deadpool, who Rob Liefeld also co-created. Stay away from the shit. It's shit. If it looks like shit, and it reads like shit, it's shit. And that will do it for another episode of Fanboy with Opinion. Don't forget, if you have any questions or comments, you can contact me at the Gamerish email address, gamerish537 at gmail.com. Also, please join the Gamerish group on Facebook. You can tell me how much I'm wrong, how much how great Titans is, I'll tell you you're wrong, how bad Black Lightning is, I'll tell you you're wrong, and how great Rob Liefeld is, I'll tell you never talk to me again. I changed my Twitter and my Instagram name so you can find me on there. At Fanboy with an Opinion. Until next time, I've been Fanboy, and this has been my opinion.